welcome to a new episode of Catching Fire, How Teams Win, and episode number four in the new series, Leadership Uncensored, with Muhammad and Jim. And today, we'll speak about the first things that the new managers should focus on as soon as they are appointed by their companies. But first, let's start with you, Jim. Good morning, Jim. Hey, Muhammad. How you doing? Everything is good. What about you? Sorry to yeah, wake you up. Yeah, busy. Staying busy. It's summertime here now. Uh, we're in the hanging out in the pool yesterday, so it's all good. Mm, happy to hear this one. It's getting better and better here also in Germany regarding the weather. And I'm excited about it because, as you know, uh, it's raining a lot here usually, eight, seven, eight months per year. So we're happy to see the sunlight finally, you know? <laughs> yeah, same thing here in Ohio. Same way. It's uh, spend most of our time in the in the clouds. Do you know, just to, to let you know, and I'm sure you know, okay, that these weather conditions usually affect your emotions negatively. You know it very well, right? Mm -hmm. And because we're speaking about emotions right now, I thought that the first thing that we maybe, if you allow me to, to start with in this discussion regarding uh, the first thing that new managers should do is to start by speaking about their emotions. Uh, you are right now a normal person. I mean, for example, a person who is working as a normal engineer in procurement or in marketing, and then uh, now you're appointed uh, uh, to a managerial role. So I know by experience that a lot of people are very, very worried of this nomination or this appointment because they start asking themselves, uh, are we the right fit? Are we able to lead the people? Are we really able to do something? And a lot of emotions come to the top. What do you think? Do you have the same experience also? Or, for example, what's your own experience about this one regarding the emotional part? Yeah, um, definitely emotions come in. Um, and those are usually, you know, excitement is probably the first one. Um, you know, if, especially if it's something you've really been wanting to do and looking forward to doing. And then probably the next one is, you know, a bit of, you know, being scared of like, all right, now how do I do this? Hmm. Uh, and you know there's certain techniques and methods and tools you can use to kind of overcome that scaredness slash excitement aspect of it you know i'm a firm believer that anybody can be a leader or be a manager um it's not something that people are born with um mm -hmm. necessarily they can become one um just by learning and practicing um and uh nobody's ever been a perfect leader and uh, nobody's started out perfect either so it's a constant um it's a constant path of of improvement and learning and you know um just getting better uh each day yes i'm speaking beside this curve it's of course these mixed emotions but to be honest with you uh, what i also uh, uh, recognize in this pattern regarding the emotional part is what if someone is planning for it, someone from the beginning came into uh, to work in the corporate world and they start saying, I know that I want to climb the career ladder, uh, the, the, the mix between the excitement and uh, the worry or the proportion between the excitement to worry is two to one. They feel more excited than more worried. My yeah. experience, maybe I'm wrong, I'm just saying based on my personal experience, uh, the people who find themselves nominated to these roles and they were not planning for these roles, they got uh, the vice versa. They start feeling more worried than more excited about these roles. That's all, uh, at least how I see it based on a lot of people that I worked with before. Okay, so this is why. But 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 what I also discovered afterwards is that your kickstart regarding your emotional state and also at the same time what you do in the first several months is very are very crucial uh, is very crucial for your success in your uh, role as a manager, right? Yeah, hundred um, percent. And and really, it's okay to you know you got to recognize those emotions as well, um, and you know. A, a new manager, um, especially someone that's kind of thrust into that position. Hmm. Um, I think the first thing we should realize is that we're all kind of leaders anyway, um, hmm. when we're going through life, even outside of the business, um, aspect, like if you're married, you're one of the leaders of your, um, relationship there, of your marriage. Um, yeah. if you're have a family, if you have kids, you're one of the leaders in that kind of sense as well. Um, if you're on a sports team, um, 
you know, you're one of the leaders on the field or on the court. Um, and so everybody's kind of led in one way or another. Um, but because it's in business and now we're getting paid to do this and people are counting on you, um, it makes you, it can make you a little more nervous and all that. And um, so just understanding that that's perfectly normal um, is probably one of the first steps, you know, and then there's, again, there's tools and stuff you can, you can do to help give yourself that confidence and you can um, get the trust and the confidence in the team as well, you know, starting off. And um, I had an interesting conversation with somebody about um, situations where um, how, how do you, <clears throat> how do you deal with a situation where you're, you're given a team um, you didn't pick this team, but you're given a team to lead. Um, and the question was, how how do you get that started? How do you become a successful manager if you didn't pick this team? Hmm. But now you got to get them performing. And I equated it to pretty much like when I was a soccer coach here. Um, we were a small community. Um, we had tryouts for the team to see who could make the team. And pretty much it was if you showed up, you made the team. Because mm. we didn't have, you know, you have a roster of 18, you have 15 girls show up. So now it's on us to figure out, you know, it, it's the same kind of team building tactics, the same um, four steps for team building, you know, um, forming, storming, norming, and performing. And you got to go through all those steps and um, figuring out who best fits where within the team. And that can take some time to get to the point where you're, um, really performing as a team so back to the mm -hmm. soccer coach thing you know we started when they were eight years old nine years old um a group of girls and they were just kind of given to me and these were amazing um these are amazing ladies but um it took us a while to become the team that ended up become, you know getting first place in our um in our uh division and all that so it's it's one of those things where um there's it's a difficult situation and, I, and I'm trying to think of how many situations we're actually picking your team anyway. Um, you know, some people might leave and then you get the chance to bring someone in that you can choose, but you're still got to figure out a way to, you know, work with people that you just, that have been assigned to you and now look to you for guidance and leadership. It can be very, it can be daunting, um, especially, you know, going in into a situation where um, you feel like you might not have that experience. Um, so, yeah, there's certainly tools and tricks you can use to kind of gain that confidence. And um, but I'm I'm pretty sure um, everybody's all even the best leaders have been in that situation. Mm. Yes, yes, no, true, true, really. I know that we said that the topic of this episode is uh, what new leaders should do or new managers should do. But I would love that we speak first about what mistakes they should not do or should they should avoid. Yeah. Okay, what do you think? Should we well, talk about, that, for example, for example, for, let, 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 me tell you, let me tell you how I visualized it. When I was sitting right now preparing for this uh, discussion, I started saying to myself, okay, uh, we saw a lot of, I'm sure you did also, we saw in the corporate world a lot of uh, people who were appointed into managerial roles. And uh, uh, as soon as they took these roles, they committed s some mistakes, which were at least some of these mistakes were clear to the people around them. And I said, okay, this can be a good starting point right now by saying, please, when you're appointed as a new manager, do not do this mistake. What can be one mistake from your side? Let's start, for example, one one to one. You you share something, I share something. <laughs> okay. Uh, one mistake would be assuming that you uh, have all the answers right off the bat, um, mm -hmm. and, and trying to tell the team that you're really you know you're important because you know all the answers because you're not going to know all the answers and um, and uh, that just I think that kind of degrades the. Um, trust that a team would have in you if you feel like you already have the answers and that um you don't need them to help get the answers kind of thing mm. um i think that's that's certainly one you know saying i don't know or let's figure it out together is is much more meaningful 
uh, way to kind of gain the trust of the team than just telling what to do and explaining hmm. what to do and, and, you know, trying to assert that you're smarter than everybody else. Hmm. From, from my own point of view, let me speak about, for example, my first point here. Uh, it's sticking to the employee mentality for some time. It takes some time sticking to the employee mentality. And what do I mean by sticking to the employee mentality? I always say to people in leadership roles, and by the way, this remains for a long time. It's not something that uh, you, unfortunately, you don't get rid of this after six months or one year or something. No, I, I work with people and they are 50-year-old, 55 in high positions, and they are still, uh, no matter what's their title, they are still sticking in a way or another to their, let's say, operational role or to the employee mentality. I always say when you are growing in the corporate world, you have to step back a little bit and stop being reactive to what's being put on your table and the emails and the discussions and who from the upper management is sending you something that you should take care of and all of this stuff. And you are supposed to dedicate more time to step back, to think about uh, uh, the big picture and, and, how, and how to use all the tools around you to help you achieve your goal while also achieving the company and the team goals. Yes, sir? because each one of us has his own personal, his or her own personal goals. So I have to have this mix. I need to step back to see how the things look like from outside and how I can play strategy in order that I'm achieving my personal goals, the company goals, and the team goals at the same time. And a lot of people waste a lot of time when they are appointed to managerial roles, Jim, because they keep uh, uh, putting their hands in every teeny-weeny detail to the extent that they don't have time to separate themselves and to start thinking strategically. This is the first thing, the step one that I see from my side uh, that a lot of people fall in. And it's not only new managers. No, it remains for a long time. And I hope anybody is listening to us right now, especially the people who are managing teams, to start thinking, am I still acting as an employee operational person or I am accepting the new, let's say, responsibilities and what's expected of me when I'm going up the career ladder and the hierarchy? What do you think, Jim? Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's a, a great point. Um, that um, you you have a team for a reason and um, let them do their, let them do their, um, do what they do best, right? Um, and um, yeah, it, I, I think there's some kind of controlling factor in it with, with some people, right? Well, what if they if they mess up or they don't get it right the first time let me just do it you know kind of thing it well that's part of growth right is it's if something doesn't go right okay well let's figure out why and what can we do better next time and that's how you learn otherwise you're going to be stuck in the details the whole time never working on strategy um and it's like something i've, I've posted on linkedin recently it's you're constantly fighting fires instead of figuring out what's actually causing the fires. Hmm. I'd rather figure out what's causing the fires so that we don't have to fight those fires anymore and can work on the bigger projects and the bigger concepts and, and strategies instead of being bogged down every day, fighting the next fire kind of thing. So yeah, you're exactly right with that. And um, so, so what's, uh, so if I'm a new manager and I'm real detail orientated, um, but I don't quite know exactly, you know, the ins and outs of the department or of the team and, and uh, what's what's one way where I can kind of learn what those what, what my employees are supposed to be doing. Mm. Do you have do you have also something else that you want to add or should I add another point that we can discuss? What do you think? Uh, regarding the mistakes, regarding the mistakes that we want the people to avoid at the beginning. One, one is and, and I, I uh, this is kind of a pet peeve of mine as well. It's how you talk uh, to your team and about your team. Hmm. It's um, manager versus leader talk. I call it manager talk is all they, them, the team, they, those guys, you hmm. know, um, they're doing this. Leader talk is we and us, uh, you know, I'm a part of the team. I just, um, help them you know get focused in the right direction but i'm part of the team if you talk like that then you start to think like that now 
you're a part of a team kind of helping everybody move forward. Um, so consider yourself a teammate, you know, um, I hear managers say this person's under me or, you know, they report to me and, mm -hmm. and, you know, if your manager says that you don't, you know, it's not as, uh, meaningful that way because they feel like they're up here and you're down here. But mm. I like to have them think that we're all on the same level. Um, uh, but I, I'm the one that helps get us focused mm. in the right direction kind of thing. Right. So it's, it's speaking in terms of, um, us and we, mm. uh, I think it's a lot more meaningful than they, them. That's, Same that's thing, even if they're not present, if you're talking to, to people outside your department or you're, you're speaking up into your team that you're a part of um, with, with your boss, um, us, them, or, or us, we and us, instead mm. of, you know, they, them, I think is a lot more meaningful. Mm. So now, now you are beating me because you stated two points. I'm one, so I have to state another point right now <laughs> so that even, okay, Uh my next point will be expecting this, the, the, the full support from the management. This is the second other wrong thing that they are doing, at least in their expectations, that they're expecting the full management support as soon as they become managers. So I became a manager right now uh, because I'm a newcomer to this role right now and I'm leading a team. I'm expecting right now because I still need my time and I need to... to uh, to develop my skills as a manager, that the management will offer me su full support, which 99% not the case, okay? The moment that you are becoming a manager, the support up uh, is rarely granted. Yeah, of course it happens. I cannot say every, uh, everyone or in every company, no. Uh, you have some exclusions, of course, but most of the time, the people above you are very, very busy. They are running, they are doing stuff, and they want somebody down to take care of the stuff, and they don't want more problems from down, unfortunately, coming from down up. So the support that you will get and the time that you will have in order that you are getting yourself up to speed and doing the right things will be very, very limited. This is my own experience, and accordingly, you have to adjust your mindset and to be expecting that this will happen the moment that you become a manager. You will not have the support that you're expecting, except in a very, very rare cases. Okay, so you, expect, you have to work on your expectations. And at the same time, the second thing is, you will have a very, very limited time to adapt to the new role and to start learning and developing yourself and to get results. And nobody will be up, for example, waiting for you and expecting and saying, ah, uh, for example, Muhammad or Jim is a newcomer in the managerial role, so we have to give them some time or to get to offer them uh, more support. It doesn't work like this. Most of the case, uh, most of the time. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Um, I guess I was lucky because when, when I first became a manager, mine was really helpful in terms of, uh, I, I got really great advice from both my previous manager mm. and current one to kind of help me along in a bit and answer my questions. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty scientific and stuff. So it was certain questions like, can I do this? Should I do this? How do I do this? And, uh, especially when it came to goals, um, I really challenged hmm. uh, my manager about that. Uh, but but you're right, though, because as I've seen it in, in other areas as well, where um, they're all focused on strategy. And, um, you know, you get to that other that higher level by by being results orientated and by moving constantly moving forward. So, um, uh, yeah, so it's they're all focused on strategy, just kind of like you just mentioned, instead of being in on each of um, your teammates, uh, all up in their business, you know, you're leading the strategy and they're doing the same thing as mm. well. So, um, yeah. So that's another challenge as well. Um, and uh, that, you know, best way to overcome that is, you know, just learn as much as you can and um, find a coach that can help you along. Um, you can kind of work through those things with, find another mentor either within the company or outside that you can talk to about um, uh, what kind of uh, struggles you're having, um, how to get, get the most out of your team. Can, um, can, I, can, I, can I mention also something else in context of what we're speaking about? It can be even considered a third point from my side so that I'm beating you in the score. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Okay. 
Uh, I believe one of the things also that they are mistaken in, in the expectations also one of the mistakes of the of of the in the expectations is that uh, uh, the the time and the workload they are expecting. Of course, everybody when they are appointed to managerial roles, they know okay if I'm appointed to managerial roles, this means that uh, I'm supposedly or expected to work more time, which is supposedly by the way, which is uh, wrong assumption and unfortunately unconsciously we are supporting this wrong assumption. So nobody is coming and making this official by, by giving us a statement that you have to work unlimited hours as a manager. But our expectation, okay, unconsciously, and it's supported by what's happening in the environment and organization, makes us believe and expect that this is normal. When I'm going up, I, in order to succeed, I have to work never-ending hours or, for example, double my working time or, or do more hours no matter what, how, what, uh, how you name it. Uh, what happens usually is that the people expect because they are coming to managerial roles that okay uh, i uh, i will have uh, the responsibility of my team and i will work on growing them and usually they have the best intentions nobody is coming to lead a team or in a managerial role and saying hey i want to uh, to uh, what's called to damage this team or or i want to annoy the people no they are coming with the best intentions they want really to do something to the, for the company for themselves and for the team but later on as soon as they come because of the wrong expectations they discover that oh we moved up, and this is another problem in the corporate world. We moved up, but I moved up with a big portion of my normal work as an operational person. Let's say, for example, I was an engineer. I became a, a, a manager engineering. Now I moved or escalated my level with uh, a lot of tasks that I was having already. On top of all of this, I have right now the responsibility of the team. And now I have to find the balance between both. And most of the time, most of the time, and I'm repeating it again, Jim, Okay, uh, there is no balance. And after several weeks and months, the people, unfortunately, if you are a manager, you are focusing on your tasks and you are focusing on the layer above, not below. And what's left after your tasks, as the, uh, which, were, uh, which were coming with you from your operational level, the normal tasks that you were doing before, uh, after doing them and after uh, dealing and having your meetings, the strategy and discussion with the management above, it's rarely enough that you have uh, time to, uh, to work on your team to grow the team, to know them one to uh, one by one, and all of this stuff. The sacrifice is always coming on the lower level, not the upper level or the personal level, of course. Okay, and this is something also that I see over and over. Yes, you can expect as a mistake in the expectations. You can expect as a new uh, a person who is appointed to a new managerial role. You can expect, yeah, maybe uh, the hidden rule is I have to work extra hours which I'm not supporting, by the way, because you can still achieve results without working never-ending hours. Uh, but maybe you expect this one, but what you will not expect is that one way or another, you will have to be pushed to make sacrifices, and these sacrifices will come on the price of, uh, of your team. So just be careful of this wrong expectation from the beginning or having this wrong assumptions before going to this role. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great one. Um, delegate and where you can and mm -hmm. and um, if you start trusting in your team to get you know what's done then yeah that does kind of free up you to do work on other items and it's helpful to have a clear picture of of your finish line or paint the picture for your team of how um your team's success fits into the success of your department of your business and all that and that will help drive your actions and your team's actions forward as well. Cause you're saying you have tasks from above tasks from below um, and which ones are the most important ones to work on and which are the ones to fail. Um, I'm doing fail uh, means, you know, if one was going to fail, these are the ones that are the least important. Um, you have to be able to identify those and kind of communicate those to your team as well. Mm. And, um, but you have to know where you're going in order to do that right and um, you have to know what what tasks are really critical um mm. uh, and and hopefully you're in a place with your uh manager with the um that you can kind of question some of those actions as well um you know if it's just data retrieval and throw it into a report that they're not even really going to look at mm. you know can you challenge them on that? Hopefully you can um, and say, do, do we really need this data or is there a more efficient way to, to get this data? Um, and then 
when your team's really humming along, when you really have them understanding their roles and what their strengths are and how they each complement each other, um, then you're in a place where um, you don't need to be there, you know, consistently pointing them in a certain direction. They know where to go and they know how mm -hmm. to do it. And they come when there's a roadblock and um, or an escalation is needed um, or to share a success that, hey, I got this across the finish line. Um, you know, let's uh, make sure we report that success uh, kind of thing. So, but yeah, it's a matter of, I think it's helpful to delegate, know who you can delegate to and try to figure that out as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah, there's a difference between, you know, busy work, um, effort doesn't equal success, right? Results mm -hmm. equal success. And um, it, the work's always gonna be there the next day. Um, it's just how efficient can you can you get the results that you need? And that's that's can be hard to learn um, and really have the discipline to really try to figure that out. But, but but I want to stop you here at something because I'm not 100%. I, I want to make this clear to at, to at least the listeners, okay, regarding um, effort uh, does not mean equal success, results equal success. I agree with you, of course, about the, the, the bigger concept or the overall concept. But the only thing that I would like to add here is what uh, I know that this off topic, but it's worth mentioning to the listener. Uh, if you are doing effort, and I see that you are doing effort and I'm working with you at the company right now. Let's say I'm your boss and I see that you are doing effort and this effort is, is worth respecting, uh, respect in general. Then I'm supposed right now to try to support you in order that you are achieving results. So if you are putting the effort but you are not getting results, then you are worse that the people come and try to offer you help in order that you are uh, getting results or, for example, finding out what's going on, uh, why you are not getting results. Okay. Uh, this is how I look at it all the time, Jim. Uh, if nobody is, if, if a person is not putting effort at all, of course, I will not be offering uh, my support to this person and saying, okay, let me help you uh, move on to the next level or, for example, achieve uh, results. You understand? Mm -hmm. But I wanted to make just this just clear. If I saw, of course, uh, 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 results equal success, but at the same time, if somebody is showing respectful effort, then it's our responsibility and task to offer guidance and support to this person to see what's going on and how we can help you achieve results. This is the whole story, right? Yeah, you're exactly right. That That's exactly the point. Hmm. Um, yeah, we don't want to just sit there spinning our wheels, um, you know, using a lot of gas where the wheels are spinning. We're, we're burning a lot of energy, but we're not really getting anywhere. Um, and if you see your teams doing that, then you're right, that's on the leader to figure out another way or a better way to more efficiently use that energy. I'm saying this one because based on my experience, specifically working with startups or knowing startup leaders, people who are owning or running startups, okay, this mentality is there and they are abusing it in a, in a toxic way, okay, or this, or this uh, uh, way of doing the things, which means what, hey, we have to grow fast, we have to push hard and all of this stuff. If uh, I can hire a team, if they are not getting the results, okay, fire them. Yeah, so, yeah. And they don't have mm -hmm. patience, especially in the startup world. Okay. And that's why it was important that we are stopping here and mentioning this one because we don't want people to get fired. We don't want that nobody is patient and expecting that, hey, because I put somebody and got him a laptop and make the things uh, and make him atmosphere around him and, uh, and, uh, and the ping pong table and uh, a coffee machine that this person will function. No. In the world, there are a lot of problems far bigger than this uh, in the work environment and outside, for example, on a personal level. And when we see somebody trying really to give 100% uh, effort in something, but they are not uh, lucky enough to get results, we have to interfere here right now. And instead of just taking an aggressive action uh, against them, we have to work with them hand in hand in order to understand what's going on and how we can help them better. But we really have to mean it, not only to check box. And this is important, uh, Jim, because a lot of things happening in the corporate world and the startup world only checking boxes. I want yeah. to feel comfortable right now. I will check the box. You can, for example, have a problem. Uh, I, I will tell you a small story, okay? I had uh, uh, somebody, a leader from a company, reaching out to me before, several months ago, uh, telling me, Mohammed, uh, I came to you personally because I need your opinion regarding someone I'm, I'm about uh, to fire at the company. Everybody said that this person is not the best person, toxic person, and and we are going towards firing him. This is the direction at the meantime. And you are the last person who can give me your opinion regarding something like this. You understand? 
So we came and I started telling him, okay, uh, tell me exactly what was the process that you followed until you reached this phase, until you came to me even. And one of the funny part, I will not explain this, the whole process because it's irrelevant, but what I will speak about is what uh, he told me that when he went to the HR, for example, because when you are confused as a manager, you usually tend to uh, uh, speak to the HR. So uh, he went and spoke to the HR and the HR told him, yes, we know that this issue with this person uh, uh, exists and he's causing us a lot of trouble. Uh, he's famous for his problems and troubles. I'm not in this position, by the way, to judge him because I don't know I'm an external person. So I, I, I'm speaking about me as Muhammad. I'm not judgmental in this part. I'm saying what was being told to me. So he yeah. told them, okay, what are we going to do? So late, uh, they told him, okay, we'll go outside and try to get you something. They went outside and get, came back to him and got him an offer for a conflict management training for his employee. Okay. And then he told me, I felt that this is going to be a checkbox uh, activity. That's why I came to you because I really want to understand uh, the root cause or there is a hope uh, how we can do it in the right way. And I saluted him for this during this moment because it's really, what does it mean? I have an issue with an employee. First, everybody knows about it. At the same time, uh, they came right now and got a, a training for a conflict management. Who said on God's green earth that this topic of this employee is a conflict management uh, topic or requires only a training and to be solved. Yeah. You understand the mentality? Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or for example, uh, because if I remember correct, to be fair, they were saying, proposing a specific number of hours over three, four weeks of training. So somebody, no matter if in a group or for example, one-to-one uh, -one for several weeks after each other. First, the identification of the problem. For me, I don't know how you identified it like this. From where you said it's conflict. Second, you came after this and you started saying, okay, uh, uh, we're going to finish this in several weeks. And behavior had changed, especially in aggressive, uh, uh, what's called cases, like the one that you were that the, he was speaking to me on the phone about, okay, does not happen over several weeks. Even if the first diagnosis about the problem is really that he needs support in conflict management, which is not the case. Yes, this is an example of checking boxes. Yeah, right. So coming, exactly. so coming, so coming back uh, to the story, why I said this uh, this story right now, which is a real case study that we can speak about even after finishing this episode, uh, because a lot of things we uh, we if we are really willing to help someone who is really dedicated and trying hard, but they are not trying, but they are not able to achieve results, we should really go and help them, and not only try to say, okay, I went and talked to him in a stiff way, uh, he didn't uh, open up, checkbox, I tried to help, no. Yeah, you're not really helping them. You're yes. you're disciplining. Yes, and that's a, so. There's a difference. Yeah. Yes. To end to end this point and to go to the the the, the core of the episode right now, uh, let's summarize the points that we spoke about. I spoke about three points about mistakes that the people do, and you spoke, Jim, about two. So let's say them. Why I'm doing this one? Because one of our listeners, one of the podcast fans, thanks to her, she reached out to me and she told me, by the way, I love your podcast, but can you do me a favor, please? And from time to time, able to summarize uh, the, 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 the points step by step again after finishing the dialogue about it. So here are the five things that we spoke about. From Jim's side, he was speaking about never expecting that you know all the answers. Right, Jim? That's right. Yeah. And the second thing is what? How you talk to the team and about the team. Right. Yes. Yeah. And from my and and from my side, okay, I was speaking about the expecting the management full support, okay, and uh, sticking to the employee mentality, okay, and expecting in general that the what's called that uh, that the workload will give you and and uh, and uh, being going uh, going above the career ladder with your workload will still give you time to develop yourself and at the same time focus on your team. These are the three things that I spoke about at the meantime. To anybody who wants to make a summary, these are the five points at the meantime or, or mistakes that you should avoid if you are becoming a new manager. Okay? Let us speak right now about the core, Jim. So we spoke about the mistakes. We spoke about the emotional state. Now I am a new manager. What is the first thing that you will advise me to do? I would have you um, picture your ideal manager. So um, th this was something I did. Um, I do every time I go into a new leadership or management role is I, I picture um, my ideal manager 
and that's usually based on previous managers, um, the what I thought really worked for them and what didn't work, um, the, the positive aspects uh, of that, and then kind of write it down. You know, you could take a whole sheet of paper, write it down, and say, you know, um, the you know my ideal manager in this role would um, show up to every meeting, um, is truth, truthful and honest with their team, and um, you know known for moving roadblocks and, mm -hmm. and helping them, um, you know, get to the top of the mountain and, and what are some things that they don't do? You know, um, they, you know, they don't talk negatively about their team outside of the team. You know, they don't, uh, um, they, they don't misrepresent themselves or their team. They don't overpromise. you know, they know the strength of the team, that kind of stuff. And I kind of labeled them all out. And then I put it succinctly in like one or two sentences and put it as, on a post-it note and put it on my monitor so that I could read it before every single um, team meeting, just to make sure that I was, I had that vision of the type of ideal manager that I wanted to be. And again, it's reflection about previous managers you've had positives and, and what you really liked that they did, the advice that they've given, and then also either managers that you've had or that you know of and what you don't really like, what you don't think is effective. Um, hmm. And there's no right or wrong answer to this. It's whatever is right for you and for your situation and for your kind of mannerism. But really to have that picture of what kind of manager you want to be, you should probably do this before you go into your first meeting or, um, you know, really get started with that because you can kind of lay that foundation first of this is, this is the kind of leader manager. Um, I think this team needs. Hmm. My turn. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, please. <laughs> no, no, I'm speaking. I'm asking you, you stopped because you're waiting for me to say something. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're, uh, what was the first thing you would do? Um, <laughs> Okay. Um, my first thing that I will say, if, if a new manager is coming to me right now and telling me what is the first thing that I should uh, 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 focus on, I will tell him uh, your influence, your influence, your influence. If I if I am able to, to say this 20 times, I will be saying it 20, 30 times. Your influence is the most important thing inside the organization uh, and uh, expanding your influence. And how, and, and specifically, the first step for it, influence in general is split for me into two parts. The first part is uh, how to laterally influence, and this is crucial for the success uh, of your team and you yourself, how to influence laterally. And laterally here means what? The people who are uh, leading teams in the same level like you. For example, if you are manager engineering or manager project management, the people who are manager procurement, uh, manager marketing in the same level like you. This is very, very crucial, how you are able to, uh, to form allies with these people and to know uh, what they want to achieve and to support them in their goals. And for example, to have what's called off-the-record discussions with them, even if you don't have projects or, or business uh, connecting you both at the same time uh, currently together, it's crucial. You must reach out to these people and build relationships with them and keep these relationships running over and over and over. Because I always said that the backbone of any organization and the success is measured from the middle management. Yes, of course, you need the CEO or, for example, the president to be a person uh, who is a role model and the right CEO with the right strategy, with the right character and ethics and all of this stuff. But after this, the layer in the middle is the one which will make or break uh, uh, any organization. So focus on this layer by trying to collaborate and increasing your influence there. And don't wait until somebody's telling you, hey, can uh, can you please go and speak to uh, Jack or, or, or Jessica or something? Or for example, hey, we have a project for you, which is getting you to meet somebody new. Can you please get to connect with this person? No, you have to increase your influence laterally, even if you don't have any business or opportunity at the meantime. This is the first part of the influence. The second part is ask yourself all the time, who in the organization do I need to know and I still don't know? It's not enough while you're growing up the ladder, specifically when you become a manager and uh, above that, 
It's not enough at all to say, I will form relationships and I will influence only the people who are in my circle around me. Circle of contact, circle of influence. No, this is not enough. What's more important are the people who are outside of the sphere and the people who are, for example, and specifically, uh, if you go to the next level, the movers and shakers inside the company. And you don't have to wait until something bring you both together to connect or, for example, to get to know these people. You have to be proactive and to build these relationships and to nurture them. If you do this right, 50% of the headaches of your job uh, will vanish automatically because you will be able, if you do these things right, to get the buy-in and support from a lot of people from uh, up above and also in the same level like you. If not official, you will get the support in an unofficial basis. What do you think, Jim? I think, uh, Jim, your voice went away. Or you, uh... There we go. Yep. Um, do you have like an influence strategy that you uh, develop and then implement? And, um, and how do you find the time to develop that influence? That's a very good question. Uh, by the way, uh, any client that I work with, no matter why they are coming to me, what issue, what problems, or what's their amb uh, ambitions in general, what are their ambitions? I always work on two things automatically. Their influence inside the organization and at the same time, their physical, mental, and emotional well-being. These two for me are a must, even if you are coming to me about something totally different. So I keep watching these things and at a specific moment, I tell the people what to do in order to increase their influence. And of course, if you are coming back to, to, to be straight, answer, to answer your question straight, uh, Jim, Yes, I, we, I have strategies. I, I work with the people on, on implementing and, and, uh, and uh, what's called executing these strategies. And the funny part is what I never met anybody, and I'm meaning it, I'm, I'm meaning this exactly. I never met anybody, no matter what's their age or what's their title, that I worked with them on the influence strategies. And I discovered that they already have an influence strategy in, in place, that they are executing it for the past years or something. No. All the time when I'm working with someone on their expanding their influence, it's always a stretch target for them. It's getting them out of their comfort zone. And I'm happy about it, to be honest with you, because part of the things that I do require that you go outside of your comfort zone and see truly what you can achieve outside of there, outside the, your comfort area. But at the same time, it requires effort and it requires uh, what's called, like any other thing, it requires uh, 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 thinking and planning and taking the time for this. And... Mm -hmm. A lot of people who are not having enough influence inside the organization, when you start speaking to them about, we have to increase your influence and in order to get you faster buy into your ideas and thoughts and you and you can uh, be more powerful, expand, get uh, climb the career ladder, get more high-profile projects. The, the only, the, the, the most famous excuse that you will hear is what, whoa, 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 what you are telling me as an idea and, thought, and thoughts at the meantime are, 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 uh, they are amazing, but uh, I, I don't think that I have time to do it. What does it mean I, I don't have time to do it? If you do uh, what I'm telling you right now, of course, after agreeing together, but if you do these things and put enough effort at the meantime on these things, uh, several months from now, you will have plenty of time. Yes, sir? It's exactly like uh, when you are tying your shoe lace. You are taking 10 minutes at the beginning, but you are insisting on learning how to do it, and then after this, it becomes uh, you do it in 30 seconds or 10 seconds. Yes, so you need to put effort in something so that after one year, uh, it becomes, uh, uh, it saves a lot of time and energy and effort. And most of the pushback comes with this, uh, what's called uh, excuse from people who don't want all the time, who are waiting all the time for the corporate to determine who they need to influence and interact with. And this is something which is, with all due respect, uh, sad, sad to see it in this way. If you have a, a, a goal, in your career or you want to climb the career ladder or you want to do something good for your team or for the company you need to increase your influence and you have to understand how to play the influence game right and the first layer is laterally with the people who are in the same level like you managerial level like you one idea jim or one thought how i always love to do is i go as a starting point is i go to people and tell them hey can you please draw me right now a graph or, for example, several circles, okay? Two or three mm -hmm. circles. They say, okay, I say, I want you here to the first circle to tell me who the people who are you are interacting with on a weekly basis. 
okay, inside the company. And then after this, in the second circle, uh, layer of the circle, I say, who are the people that you are interacting with monthly? And then the third layer, who are the people who are, you are randomly interacting with? And then when they write some names, and it's easy because most of the people usually are running in the sphere of 10, 20 names. When they are, except if you're a project manager running a different project, then you can have a lot of team members. But in the in the normal, it's 20 names, something like this. Maybe if you are superior, 30 names. And then I tell them, okay, let's identify these 20, 30 people from which departments and teams. And then this shows you exactly where you need to increase your uh, footprint or your energy uh, and whom you need to reach out to. Because if you discovered, for example, after doing this exercise, that let's say the 20, 30 people that you have is uh, are basically people who are in one or two uh, functional areas or departments, or they are people in different departments. They are scattered, but at the same time, they are not people who are influential enough to support the, the business for, uh, uh, to, to run and to achieve results, especially you are now a manager. Then you need to have, to have another strategy, my friend. You need to start right now either expanding by knowing more people in, uh, who are influential in these departments, or you say to yourself, wait a second, all my contacts are... Uh, uh, generally in the marketing or engineering. No, I need to know new contacts there. And then after this, I start speaking with my people that I work with and tell them, okay, I will tell you how to reach out in a natural way and how to make the first uh, reach out request to somebody that, uh, that you never spoke with before inside the organization because this is something that makes the people a little bit concerned. Hey, Muhammad, I'm working in the organization since 20 years. How come that I suddenly reach out to somebody in this department that I never knew before and we don't have uh, projects? So I teach them how to do this one in a normal way, an acceptable way. And then I tell them how to run the discussion and how to build real authentic relationships, which are formed on the foundation of win-win. You understand me? So all of this for me is, is it's, it's a must. It's a standard. If you are going into managerial role above, you need to play the influence game. If you're expecting that uh, taking hard decisions in the company or getting the buy-in will happen only because you have an idea which is logically good, or for example, because your team said it's amazing, you're mistaken, my friend. You're mistaken. Organizations yeah. don't work like this. And you know it, Jim. Yeah, you're right. And that's uh, and a good way to build that influence is um, just make, make it known or become one of those people that are known that they can reach out to you for with a simple question and you'll either answer it for them or say, um, help them point them in the right direction. Be like, I don't know this answer, but I can find it for you. Or I don't know this answer. Maybe you need to talk to this person over here. I think that's really helpful for influence. So it's kind of a, you know, if you want to be able to ask people for, for assistance on something um, indirectly, um, it's helpful to, to also have that kind of reciprocation kind of thing. And sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but that kind of capital, having that available is, is useful. And it's actually really fun to, I don't know, I find it pretty awesome to help someone out when you don't, you know, when you don't have to kind of thing. And uh, that's one way I found to help build influence. And another way is, yeah, when you identify someone that's maybe on the outer skirts of that, um influence circle um that you you described so well um reach out schedule a 15 minute call with them and say hey, let's uh you know what are you all about what's your team's focus again and how can i help you your team you know how would we work together just have a conversation a friendly conversation and get to know the person and then it's a lot easier to you know send them a chat or send them an email or schedule a call and be like i need your help on this can we talk about it for you know, real quick kind of thing. And yes. then they're more likely to reach out and help you out. So that's, that's, that's really excellent uh, point for, for something to start off is figure out your influence strategy. And it has to be a strategy. It has to be a strategy, not random. There has to yeah. be a strategy. You have to have a strategy who, who you talk to in which departments, where, where, where are the, your powerful allies? It has to be a strategy. When you're going up the ladder, it's a strategy. It's all about strategy. Okay, and an execution plan that you have. And the company will not come and tell you to build this execution plan. Okay, you have to learn it and you have to play it and you have to master it. As simple as that. And this is what makes me sad that the people are moving random in their corporate careers. Okay, without stopping to think about a lot of things like this. Like, for example, the purpose of what they are doing, like their personal goals and a lot of other things. 
And speaking about personal goals, by the way, you were telling me something before the discussion, uh, before this uh, podcast uh, recording. You told me that you have something for our listeners, right? <laughs> I do. I do. Um, uh, yeah, when it comes to, to goals and, and meeting your goals, um, um, I've been working with, uh, I bought this, this goal crazy 90 day planner. Um, yes. And it's actually really cool because it's, it's one of the, the first um, goal orientated um, planners where it actually spends the first, I don't know, 25%, 30% of it helping you figure out what your goals should be. If you're like me, I have a hundred goals in a hundred different aspects, whether it's health, family, you know, spiritual business, whatever. Hmm. And it's hard to, okay, which one am I focusing on now kind of thing. And so it helps you figure that out. And then the rest of it is, all right, what are you going to do for the next 90 days specifically? identify your key goal. This is the one that's going to move me forward either personally or in business, or um, you can use it with your team. Be like, what's going to move my team forward. Um, and it's, it's a daily, you know, this is what worked. This is what didn't work. This is what I need to work on today to help move me towards my goal. So mm. great to have goals, but if you're not actually moving towards them, they're just dreams. So, um, you know, this is the goal crazy planner that I've been using and, um, and if uh, for anybody, for any of our listeners, if you go on to go goalcrazyplanners.com, use a coupon code Jim J I M, fifteen percent off, um, and you can get there from my webpage jimmoran.net/slash/goals, uh, uh, and just click that link. That'll take you there to the, the planner that I use. And um, anyway, it's just, I just want to help everybody accomplish their goals. You know, we've talked about it. We spent an hour or so in previous episodes talking about our goals. Um, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, this is a way to help you make sure you accomplish your goals for this year. So I just want to share that and, and um, you know, get 15% off to uh, uh, really, uh, you know, kind of push you forward for it. So it, it requires thought but that's what we need in order to accomplish our goals right and uh that's kind of why we're here right and it takes thought to influence to yes. develop an influence strategy and that's one of the things that can go in your goals is i need to develop in my influence how am i going to do that today i'm going to reach out to uh, this person and ask them who are some of the people that they talk to that help them move forward and what's my escalation path you know, in these situations, because I think that's the key thing for, for influence is um, to, to one of the best pieces of advice that I got um, before I became a manager was that someone said, your main goal as a manager, especially in a, in a larger corporation, is um, to remove roadblocks for your mm. teams. Team can mm. be successful, you know, and and having that sphere of influence, that circle of influence, knowing who you can go to to help you lift those boulders out of the way is is really critical uh, yes. for that. You yes. start moving roadblocks for your team, helping them, showing them that they can be successful by you moving those roadblocks. They can, um, they'll really start to trust you and, and believe in you as a follower. And you'll mm -hmm. gain the confidence for that as well. So. Um, that's always key is, is be known as someone that helps them move roadblocks, get the boulders out of the way so they can keep moving down their path that they need for um, to get to the finish line. Hmm. Uh, something was upsetting your dog from the five minutes ago, but uh, but thank God it's resolved at the meantime. <laughs> it was very pissed. That's why I was on mute earlier. Someone came to the door or a cat yes. came out of the front yard or no worries. Uh, it's my, no it's worries. my, uh, it's my security, um, my chief of security. <laughs> yes. So, so here, here's something, uh, Jim. Uh, we spoke right now. You spoke about one tip. I spoke about one tip. And should we add one from your side and one from my side in order that they are manageable for the people, especially new managers? Or what do you think? Do you have yeah, something? Yeah. One more tip to add? Yeah, just... Um... I talked about removing roadblocks, but that's all part of building trust um, mm. as a new manager or, or if you're managing a new team, you're coming into a new team. The first, you know, one of the first things you have to do is really build trust with that team um, and try to do that as quickly as possible. And again, it, it, you should really try to strategize that um, or at least 
um, figure out how to do that as best as possible. And, and you know, there's, I don't know, three or four ways that can really help you build trust. The first one is obviously, as I mentioned, help make sure that they can rely on you to remove roadblocks and boulders out of the way. Um, another way is to show up. <laughs> and uh, I think we've talked about this previously, be a manager that's going to be there when you say you're going to be there. And if you can't be there, reschedule or cancel. Like, don't be one of those that uh, has a team meeting and then you show up five minutes late or you're 15 minutes late or um, consistently or you're, um, you know, don't show up at all because that shows that to the team that uh, maybe we're not as important to this guy as um, uh, to, to this leader as, as you know, they we think they are. Um, so then, you know, if you get to be untrustworthy for meetings, for one-on-ones, for team meetings, um, then, um, you know, that's going in the opposite direction. You, things happen. Sometimes, uh, you know, the, the higher level team will come down and say, hey, we need you working on this right now send a message, say, sorry, guys, I, I can't make this. Let's reschedule for, you know, another day, um, that kind of thing. So show up. It really, mm -hmm. um, it, it seems simple, but you'll be surprised how often um, uh, that's not the case. Um, yes. Support and compliment your team behind their back, right? Yes. So we, we, we always talk about how it's bad to talk about people behind their back, but it's nobody minds being talked about if it's, if you're glowing, if you're, telling your team, hey, this is the, you know, you're, you're saying you're to another department or you're in a, a higher level executive meeting, you're saying these guys were phenomenal. You should have seen the work that they did. This is what we accomplished. Hmm. Um, this person, man, she really brought it. She put in the work and, and she nailed it on the head and, and she's just amazing kind of thing, right? Those kind of things start to filter back to the team and they realize, wow, this guy really trusts us. This, this leader really trusts us. And to do our work and, and if I continue to perform, you know, they'll continue to get known as performers and, and man, I really like working for this person, you know, because they really support us. Mm. And um, yeah, and be known as a supporter of their growth, right? Um, help them learn and develop, um, help them be leaders themselves and, um, you know, kind of be the, be the runway and watch them fly. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yep. Okay. Uh, my my point about it, I saw that there's something in the internet connection or something. Uh, guys, apologize because you know we are making these calls between Germany and the USA, so anything can happen in the internet connection. That's why I just wanted to make sure that Jim is still online. So my point here regarding the second point, or my point, the, the second point that from my point of view, any new manager should apply uh, in order to thrive as a manager and to even make the transition uh, to become a great leader is you need to build trust with your team members as soon as possible. As soon as possible. You start building trust as soon. And I want to repeat this in this context, in this, uh, uh, what's called, uh, in this sequence again. You start building trust as soon as possible. You cannot build trust suddenly in one day, but you can start building it as soon as possible, as soon as you take the role. And uh, just to let anybody here knows, know, in general, you to build trust, it's about small planned actions that you execute over and over consistently over time small and planned so i can give you right now 20 30 actions they are very small or tiny and you can say okay is this really working that you can use they will not take time from you but if you are doing them over and over and you are planning them that they have to happen and consistent about doing them then over the long run they can build trust but only if you are doing them in the right way. What does it mean the right way? There's a big difference between just saying I did something and there's a big difference uh, between doing it in the right way. Uh, example for this, a lot of people that I worked with in the past or even work with until now, I, 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 we can open a discussion and say, you need to speak with uh, uh, um, Lydia, so, uh, for example, a colleague at work. And we speak about this person. And then they say, oh, by the way, I spoke with her about this topic before. It didn't work. Uh, can you please show me how you spoke to her about this topic? And then when they say it, you discover, yeah, no wonder it didn't work. Because mm -hmm. knowing what to do is easy. But doing this thing in the right way is hard.
That's the everybody, for example, knows that the purpose of presentation or a PowerPoint in general is to highlight facts and as supporting aid uh, to the, 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 the presenter and to get the information across to the audience. But the people are not using it like this. They know this one, but they're not using it like this. You see a presentation in almost every company. You see the presentations coming and 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 I don't want to tell you loaded with lines, 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 lines. Then why is the presenter even there? So you know something. There's a big difference between knowing something and executing it in the right way. And when you become a manager, how you say something, how you behave, how you how 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 you look like, your body language, your tonality, all of these things matter. All of these things matter. Okay. So it's not enough that you are saying, "Hey, I I went." Uh, and made one-to-one -one meeting with one of my team members. And this is supposed to build trust, right, Mohammed? Yeah, but if you are doing it in the right way, it's not that you check box and say, conduct more one-to-one -one meeting as if you are reading an article online. No, it's what's happening in this meeting and what your what, what the discussion is about, your what your questions are, and what your body language is implying is what's going to make a difference. So it's not only about just, hey, let, give me some tips, I can apply them. It's about how you apply them. It's like systems. They have all to work together in order that you are earning this trust uh, from uh, other people. And you have to go into this topic or this journey of building trust with people and expecting from the beginning that the odds are against you. Because the people are already, no matter if you were working at this company and they were, they were your colleagues or you are coming from outside, I'm telling you in advance, 90% of the time you are coming to a skeptical team. Skeptical means what? Ah, okay, let us see what the new boss will look like. Yeah how she or she will react, uh, what they're going to do, are they going to really do something with us? So you are going already, and there is a question mark around you. And you have to expect that and to live with it. Not to say, okay, there is resistance, or for example, I see skepticism, or the tonality is not good. No, you will not go there and find the people, yeah, uh, uh, what's called jumping from happiness that you are there and excited, it will not happen. It's rarely <laughs> happening in this way. Okay? So when you are going, you have to expect that the odds are against you, the people are skeptical, and you need to get through this layer and build and have planned consistent actions, small actions that you build intentionally and do over time in the right way. Again, I'm repeating in the right way in order that you are building trust with the people as, fa uh, 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 as fast as you possibly can. Okay, because this is the second most important thing. It comes in the same level in parallel with influence. Okay, so this will be the second advice that I will give to anybody who is just starting right now in a, a Nigerian role, uh, Jim. Do you, do, you, do you think do you think you want to add anything or should we make a summary of these two points from me and two points from you for the people and that's all? No, that's good. Let's, uh, yeah, go ahead and summarize. Okay, can you say your two points in one sentence? I mean one sentence for each point, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, so about um, building trust, right? Um, uh, yeah, be known as someone that can move roadblocks, show up to your meetings, um, support and compliment them behind their backs and uh, make sure you're supporting their growth. Um, that's really the best way to kind of build, start to build the trust. And to your point, build that trust right away. Um, that, you know, right from the start. Okay. And from my side, the two tips or the two advice that I gave where first, influence, influence, influence is, the, is very, very important that you are learning the game of how to influence other people, okay? And when I said influence, I split into two parts. I said lateral influence to your colleagues, influencing other colleagues who are managerial roles like you in other departments. And the second part of influence, which is knowing who you need to influence and, and if you know these people or you don't know these people, okay? Influencing the people that you don't know or reaching out or connecting with the people that you don't know and how to build your connection and network and the relationship with these people. This is the first thing. So it starts with influence and then ends with the relationships. If you remember at the beginning, this is the first one. The second one is trust. Start building trust as soon as possible. Trust is something that needs time, but also it needs strategy. You small actions, small planned actions over a longer period of time executed in the right way will make the people around you, at least most of them will start trusting you. And you mm -hmm. have to expect from the beginning that the, the odds are against you. The people will already be skeptical. They will not be cheering up for you and all of this stuff or happy that you are uh, that you are the new manager. No, for them, you are just a new name coming, even if they know you before. And they are wondering, okay, is there something out of this? Is there any benefit for me? Is there anything going to change even all of this stuff? 
So just keep this in your mind so that you are not discouraged when you start doing this. The effort will be more on your side. These are my two tips as well as the two tips from, uh, from uh, uh, Jim. And of course, you can feel free whenever we are releasing this uh, episode online, you can feel free to send me or to send Jim or even to comment on our posts regarding this episode on LinkedIn in order to share your points. If you want to add any extra uh, points from your side, we are willing to listen. Or if you want, for example, or if you have anything against what we say, you can even send me a private message, an email, or send uh, Jim in the same way. Right, Jim? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can also uh, reach out to me, jimmoran.net. And um, if you send me a LinkedIn message, I usually get back to you um, as soon as I can, um, which is usually pretty quickly. So, and I love talking about it. And I know we, you know, probably didn't get everything right. You know, um, this is uncensored as it is. So, um, uh, and yeah, so um, let's have a conversation about um, what other tips um, are useful. Uh, I'm sure there's some that we didn't think of. Um, and it, the main thing to realize, though, is you're not supposed to have the answers at the start. It's a growth. It's a it's a path you take. Uh, there are stages of team building. There's probably even more in there as well. And, you know, the, the main part is, like I said, build trust, build that influence um, and get to know your team. Like people, that'll be apparent. You'll follow pe- someone that likes people that they know that your heart's in the right place that you're helping them grow and get to where they need to be um can be tough can be stressful you you know introverts extroverts um there's different ways you can learn to be a leader um, and be more outgoing um it's it's a learned habit it's not something that um, people are really born with so stick to it and just know you can get it done i agree um uh, Jim, I want to thank you so much for being here again today. And I want to encourage all the people who are listening to our episodes. If you have any topic or idea for our next uh, to, for our uh, any of our next episodes, feel free all the time to reach out to me or to reach out to Jim. Uh, uh, he shared his contact information. My contact information is available on my website. Uh, you can reach out to us all the time. We are willing to listen to you and to see what topics you are uh, challenged by and how we can help you uh, uh, get some answers to these uh, ch- or get over these challenges. So thank you also to you. Thanks so much to our listeners. And thanks to you, Jim, for being here today and looking forward to our next episode uh, soon after a couple of weeks. Yeah, I want to thank my security guard, Maggie. <laughs> thanks for keeping us safe. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she, thanks, Mohammed. Maggie, Maggie was barking a lot in the last uh, 20 minutes ago, but now it's better. Everything is fine. Yeah, that's why I was on mute for a little bit there because um, she was scratching at the door trying no to get worries. in. No worries. I understand. Thank you, Jim. It's truly uncensored, Mohammed, and it's fun. Thanks for having this conversation. Thanks to you for being here. Thank you. Bye.